Today I'm going to share this message in two parts, so make sure you hang with me to the very end where we'll finally look at the last two verses of the text that Pastor Brad just read. David Martin Lloyd-Jones was a famous British preacher at the Westminster Chapel in London, England, and uh, assumed that role in 1939. Shortly thereafter, uh, Adolf Hitler declared war against Britain, and the uh, London Blitz soon followed. That was a time of crisis for the church, and uh, David Martin Lloyd-Jones gave a number of messages, and in them he had a purpose uh, to, to really give comfort, instruction, and direction to his church family. He, he wrote one of those things was that times of crisis help us to know ourselves. And so today, from the text in 1 Peter 1, I really want to ask ourselves the question, uh, what have we learned these last two and a half months about ourselves? What have we learned about our church? What have we learned about our community? What have we learned about our God? What has the grievous trial in which we now live, uh, what, what has that uh, illustrated in our life? Well, from the text, see these first two items. The first being that grievous trials must be seen through the lens of God's blessing. Many are aware that the epistle of 1 Peter, Peter wrote that and was really addressing a people that were besieged by what he calls in this text as uh, grieved through various trials. But notice in verse 3 how he begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the blessing. Look, look at the blessing of, uh, of life, of being born alive. And you'll see in the text, uh, the one who begets does so according to the mercy of God. And so he has caused us to be born again. Uh, the, the language is really unique here, how God uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ begat us as sinners. He has made us anew uh, that Peter later in the chapter, chapter 1, would describe as being uh, rooted in the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that brings forth this uh, begetting activity, this new life begun by God's uh, sovereign hand. It, it being God's eternal plan and his momentary initiative to bring to life a dead sinner. I want to remember, even as we walk through the discussion about grievous trials, to remember the great blessing through which we must look at these trials. And you'll find that Peter then speaks of the goal or the result of God's begetting work with three clauses of the text. He says, you are born alive to hope. You are born alive to an inheritance. You are born alive to salvation. So look momentarily at those three items with me. Uh, Peter says that you are born alive to hope. That is, he says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is genuine. It, it is vital. It is not empty or vain. It, it is grounded not in wishful thinking, uh, or mere superstition, but rather it is rooted in the historic attested reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. A as surely as Jesus rose from the dead by the power of the Father himself, so we have been begotten again to a living hope. And then he uh, describes that further with being born alive to an inheritance. Inheritance for the nation of Israel, uh, many are where was the land of Canaan. 
the land was their portion, their inheritance. Peter understands the inheritance to be more than a physical land and really speaks of the hope of, uh, of the eventual work of God in their lives. It, it, it will be physical in that we will actually live in a new heaven and new earth. Second Peter describes that. But it speaks more of heaven or, or more specifically of eternal life in the actual presence of the triune God. And he describes that with four terms. He says it's imperishable. It's immortal. It does not end. It is undefiled. It is free from any taint or sin whatsoever. No stain at all. It's unfading in that it is never dulled. And then finally he says it's kept in heaven. The word kept here uh, might be seen as the, the guard who watches over and maintains. While it is true that we must persist in love and faith and obedience to Christ, uh, he who begat us also keeps us. The voice of this participle is passive voice, and it indicates the action of being kept is outside of ourselves, and in fact is, uh, is the word of God over every soul that he saves, in that he keeps us. And then, would you notice with me that we're born alive to salvation. We're guarded through faith. You'll notice verse 5, through, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. And so the, the, the word here is that we are, we, we are guarded for salvation. God has begotten us again, not to leave us in the midst of grievous trials, but rather to actually save us. No doubt this is a reference to the rescue that God provides for every sinner from eternal damnation. But it, but it certainly also refers to the deliverance through the grievous trials that uh, Peter's readers were going through. Uh, these of Peter's day, or we of our day, we are shielded by God's power, who after all can bring a dead sinner to life. And surely he is adequate in power to shield us from the flames of hell or the momentary duress in which we present live. See, our trials must be seen through the lens of God's blessing. Look at the blessing. It's the blessing of new life, of being born alive. No matter the momentary trial, we, we must say, like Peter began the epistle, blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then secondly, see with me that grievous trials prove or test the genuineness of our faith. In the text, it, it says, rejoice in grievous trials, for this shows the, the genuineness of your faith, the authenticity of your faith. In this, you rejoice. Uh, Peter has noted in verses 5, he says, you yourselves rejoice. And he then adds a phrase, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Uh, the little while, uh, regrettably for us, seems like a really long time. I know even the last, this is week 10 of our studio services. That seems like a really, really long time. But it's really just a little while. Uh, uh, the little while of the text is, uh, is really the span of our earthly life. 
uh, we, we see what God does. However, it is the little while when we see what God is doing in and through that little while. Notice the little phrase, if necessary. Or we might say, this is ordinary. It's really the routine for all followers of Christ, for the road to God's kingdom, eternal kingdom, is on a road traveled uh, uh, named Suffering Way. It really is the path of our life. And then you'll notice how he describes it. He says, you are grieved through various trials. The, 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 it really speaks of the, the, the difficult weight of the trial. And, and the, the various word is maybe to picture Joseph's coat of many colors. It's all kinds of varieties of trials. So then the question comes to us, why do we rejoice? Why are we called upon to rejoice in suffering? He, he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the appearing, at the revelation of Christ. So we might say the answer is this. Grievous trials test, they prove, they show that our faith in Jesus Christ is, in fact, genuine. You'll see in the text there, the tested genuineness of your faith is of greater worth than gold that perishes. One said that suffering provides a crucible for faith. Trials test the genuineness of our faith, revealing whether or not it is authentic. If our faith is to be real, when tested by God, we receive praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. And Peter says it's more genuine than that of gold that is tried. Since all praise and glory and honor we might receive is, is quickly uh, returned to God and ultimately redounds to God since He is the one who gives life. He is the one who guards us. He is the one who enables us to persevere with faith unto salvation in grievous trials. So think with me about the, the lens through which we must view grievous trials. It's the lens of God's eternal blessings in Christ. Blessed be who, God, who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a living hope, to, to a, an inheritance, and to salvation. Look through our present moment. Uh, through all of the blessings of being right with God by the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then see that uh, genuine trials test, prove the genuineness of our faith. God's test of our faith, grievous trials, proves our faith and honors our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and then let me simply finish the text as we walk through this as a way of drawing our attention, because we've looked at how grievous trials need to be seen through the lens of God's blessing. And I would not re-preach it, but I would remind us that anything that we are presently experiencing needs to be understood not on its own or become tunnel vision on that, but rather that we see it through the lens of God's blessing. Grievous tests 
prove the authenticity of our faith. And I do think that we do need to ask ourselves the question, when we're battling with cultural opposition, when I'm tempted by Satan or by an unsaved person, when I'm battling with, with sin that comes from within my soul, will, will I display authentic faith? Because even the simple essence of walking in a godly way is, is a grievous trial that should, that must, prove the authenticity of our faith. But then I want finally to see from the text that, that grievous trials do finally end, and that at the revelation of Christ. And you'll see it there in verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, now, when you look at that, you have to ask yourself the question, is he there giving a command or is it a declaration? And I want you to see what, what Peter does here as he looks at the, at the readers. He, he's not giving them a command, but rather he is making an affirmation. He is making a declaration. In grievous trials, here's what they did. They loved Christ. They believed him. And, and then the last phrase, you can look at the text, how, how Peter lays it out. He overlays in order to emphasize. He says, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible. So, so in three ways, he says, there is that exaltation of the heart. Not, not because grievous trials are so enjoyable, because we know they are not. But, but rather, we rejoice in grievous trials because we've seen the product of what God has done in them. They have proved the reality, the authenticity, the, the, the genuineness of our faith. And so we rejoice with joy. And then the term inexpressible, it's being so overwhelmed that words are not sufficient to communicate the joy that we sense and experience. So he says, in this you rejoice with joy inexpressible. He ends in verse 7, for example, again, with a hope that animates believers. The revelation of Jesus Christ, that is the coming of Christ. Christ will be seen by all, even by those who, having believed, they, they've never seen him. Uh, I, I, I have heard it said, and I guess I'm of the age, but probably not of the age, that preachers 20, 25 years older than I, many of whom are with the Lord, uh, would have said of the culture in the church of that day that there was a far greater yearning for the coming of Christ than would be true in our present day. And I do think what one of the things that a crisis and trial and grievous difficulties do is they, they bring us uh, to that great yearning for the revelation of Christ, for the, for the revealing of the Son of God from heaven coming for His church saints. And Paul expresses it so clearly. He says, you've never seen Jesus, but you love Him. You've never seen Him, but you believe in Him. And not having seen him, loving him, and believing him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. 
He says, then, obtaining the completion of your faith. I know, uh, I, I look forward to completing projects. I've been working on a landscaping project at our townhouse. And I yesterday went to Menards and yet picked up another load of pavers and edgers. I've got one more project to finish. My back, specifically, me generally, will be glad when it's all done. It's completed. I can just sit back and say, it's done. Do you realize that God's work in our life, one day, it'll be completed. He'll be finishing His work entirely in our life so that we will be exactly and expressly what He desires us to be by creating us and by redeeming us. So we will obtain the completion of our faith to, to cause us to experience something on, on the basis of what Christ is and what He has done for us. And so here in this text, there is the, we're not quite there yet, but it won't be long until God makes us entirely like He is, that there will be the completion of that work. Grievous trials must be seen through the lens of God's blessing. Uh, grievous trials prove and test the genuineness of our faith. Grievous trials finally do end, and that at the coming of Jesus Christ. Therefore, even in grievous trials, do exactly as Peter's readers did. Love Christ. Believe in Him. Rejoice with joy inexpressible, even as we look to the day of the revelation of Christ, that is the completion of the salvation of our souls. And so this day, in grievous trials, they loved, they believed, they rejoiced. So when I think of beyond code, beyond religion, that in this day in which God has brought us to have that affection, that love for Jesus Christ. And though it was many years ago that I believed in Christ, to yet today, even as Galatians 2.20 says, to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And those circumstances are far less than ideal to rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, to have that yearning of heart and soul of mind. Paul wrote in Philippians 3 that our citizenship is from heaven, from whence we look for the Savior who will change our vile bodies so that we'll be entirely transformed. There needs to be that eager, eager uh, expectation of the coming of Jesus Christ for us. So today, in our moment of grievous trial, express that love for Christ. Believe in Christ. Rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, looking for the salvation of our souls, even the very coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God's test of our faith Grievous trials proves our faith and honors our Savior, Jesus Christ.